Good morning. Let's pray together. Gracious Father in heaven, we thank you that you gather us around your word where you speak and we listen. Send your word to us. Deliver the word that kills in Jesus' death, the word that raises us up again in his resurrection, that we may hear and be saved. We ask it in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Invite you to be seated as we continue our look at 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2, uh, we'll take a look at verses 3 to 11 this day. And uh, as we look at uh, the, the structure of John, we see him uh, working through the same theme a few times. Uh, the chapter 1 that uh, Dr. Middendorf led us through a couple of Mondays ago and last Monday uh, had everything to do with the identity of Christ, the person and work of Jesus Christ. Who is this Jesus? And now in chapter 2, the bulk of it is concerned with the person and work of his dear children. That's you and me and the audience that John was talking to. And so we have to talk about identity and action today in 1 John chapter 2. And the truth that comes out of John's words is that identity translates into action. And action reveals identity. If the scripture and John's letter in particular is concerned all about Jesus in his person and work, we need to know who he is. That's his identity. And as we've sung and as we confess, he is the light of the world. He is light and he is life. And we've heard this through other verses of 1 John. And what does Jesus work? What he does is he sacrifices his life for your death. He rises again to draw you out of the grave, ascends into heaven, to sanctify your human flesh. In his person and his work, we find out who Jesus is. But have you ever stopped to consider your identity, who you are, and what you do? Think about it like this. Who you are versus what you do. Have you ever thought about identifying yourself, defining yourself, Do you do it by who you are? Or do do you do it by what you do? Does what you do define who you are? Or does it reveal who you are? If what we do is all that defines us, there's a quick move to dissatisfying life. Dissatisfied because we're being defined by what we do instead of uh, what uh, we are. And and who we are, those things that we do instead reveal who we are defined to be. And so what we do in this Christian life is intended to reveal who we are. The key to living the Christian life is what John goes through in 1 John chapter 2 verses 3 to 11. Christian living is just that. Living. And we need to ask, before we begin even hearing these words, where does life begin? We could ask our biologists. We could ask our philosophers. John tells us that life begins in the empty tomb. When we're talking about Jesus, we're thinking about his life, his death, his resurrection, his new life. The life for the Christian is not a simple, now let's pick ourselves up by the bootstraps and pay what we owe and do these good works in Christian life because God did this much sort of thing. 
at least not in John. There are other scriptures that talk about the holy response that we offer. There's sin, there's grace, and there's our holy response to God. Obedience in light of the love that God shows us. But John has a different take on this in, John, in 1 John chapter 2. It's about revealing who we are, not defining what we do. It starts with who Jesus is and what he does in the empty tomb. And so does our life find identity in the resurrection. We read these words before. Take a look at them with me again from 1 John chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest. When John's talking about that at the very head of this letter, he has new life in mind. He has the resurrected life in mind. Remember the stories of resurrection that John had shared in his gospel. John chapter 11. Mary and Martha had a brother. His name was Lazarus. John sa- or Jesus says, let's go to him so that we may uh, see him. He's fallen asleep, but we're going to go wake, wake him up again. This Jesus is all about resurrection. And then at John chapter 20, Thomas not with the eleven, when Jesus appears to them the first time and gives them the Holy Spirit. And what does Thomas say? Unless I put my fingers in his hands, unless I put my hand in his side, I'm never going to believe that Jesus is risen. One week later, doors are still locked. Jesus appears before them, says, Shalom, peace be with you. And then he says, Thomas, come here. Stick your fingers in here. Stick your hand in my side. Stop being a doubting person. Be a believing person. We remember what Thomas' response was. Bends the knee. Says, my Lord and my God. Worships him. This is what John remembers when he talks about handling the word of life. Touching it with the hands. Seeing it with the eyes. This is a resurrected life. And for the Christian, it's the same. Romans chapter 6, Paul talks about it like this. That we walk in newness of life that's wrapped up in death and resurrection. Just as Jesus died and rose again, so we all die in the death of Christ in our baptism and are raised to new life in that same baptism. That's why Paul can offer that glorious creed. I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live. It's Christ who lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Death and life is always at work in our identity. And it is our actions that reveal that death and life at work in us. Identity always translates into action. So if our identity is wrapped up in death and life, it translates into actions. Actions that reveal that death and life identity in us. And so look at that first chapter of 1 John again, and you see where identity is. Death and life, confession and absolution, propitiation and forgiveness. Christ in action in our lives reveals that death and life identity in us. So where is Christ in action? Where is Christ revealing our identity in action? It's in what God's children do. 
And so I want you to open your scriptures now, open your notebooks, pull out your iPads, pull out your tablets, whatever it is that you're using to look at the Bible and turn with me in the ESV Bibles that are in your pews. This is 1 John chapter 2, and we're starting at verse 3. Let's read these words out, 1 through 6. Read them in the English Standard Version together. Starting at verse 3, 1 John chapter 2, starting at verse 3. And by this, we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. What do God's children do? They walk in his commandments. And that walking reveals our identity in Christ. And it reveals that God's love is fulfilled in our lives. It reveals who we are and where we are. Where are we? We are in Christ. These last five verses with me too. 1 John chapter 2 starting at verse 7. Beloved, I am writing you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard. At the same time, it is a new commandment that I am writing to you, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness, and walks in the darkness, and does not know where he is going, because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Because the light has come, we walk not in darkness, but in the light of Christ. And these actions reveal our identity in Christ. What do God's children do? Let's take these one by one. Take a look again at chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. Keeping the commandments. This is Christian living. Christ in action in our lives. Keeping the commandments. The verb here, to keep, is more than just obeying the law. Following orders, in other words. But instead, it's designed as a word that means to keep them, to cherish them, to guard them. Obedience to God, John will say in the fifth chapter of his letter, is not burdensome. His commandments are not burdensome because of something special. Because they've been inspired by the gospel of God's mercy in Christ. Let's recall another narrative from uh, John's gospel. John chapter 13. This is uh, that time when Jesus stripped down, put a towel around him, took a basin of water. And what was he doing with that basin of water and with that towel? Do you remember? He's washing the feet of the disciples. I actually saw this done at a wedding one time. The bride and the groom washed each other's feet. It was pretty wacky. His feet were this big and pure, pale, pasty white. Those toes were like this. It was a very long wedding for that reason. Um, I don't know, I, 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 I can't like, not recommend that, but it was a little 
It was a little weird. Just get a unity candle, all right? There's other ways to do this. But Jesus washing their feet. And he says, because I have washed your feet, now you must wash one another's feet. And what was Jesus saying there? He wasn't saying that at church all the time you've got to wash each other's feet. That gets a little messy, you know, a little stinky too. But what was he saying? He caps it off in chapter 13, verses 34, 35. He says, now you're my disciples, and you have to love each other. A new commandment I give you, he says. A new commandment, love each other. Well, that's not new. I mean, Moses said in Leviticus 19, love your neighbor as yourself. Does that sound new to you? Jesus says it's new, and it is. He says, love each other as I have loved you. There is something new about that. The command really is new, because how did Jesus love? He loved all the way. He loved to the point of death. He loved sacrificially. It's that sacrificial kind of love that makes this a new commandment. And so my question for you is, what truly motivates Christian living? Is it the law? You must do this. Follow the orders. Or is it the gospel? The promise that Christ has made. The mercy that he's shown in the cross. I'll give you the answer. What is it that motivates Christian action? You give me the answer. Law or gospel? It's the gospel. The good news of forgiveness shows us who we are, defines our identity, makes us in Christ. And that's the next point that John's bringing up in 1 John chapter 2, verses 4 and 5, that we abide in him, abiding in Christ. This is the most important prepositional phrase you'll ever find in Scripture. In Christ. You are in Christ. Knowing or not knowing Christ, this is the only choice that John offers. And his dualisms is either black or white. It's either hot or it's cold. Either good or evil. You either love God or you love the world. These are John's dualisms, and they're all through 1 John. But here it's either in Christ or it's in something else. There's not many other options. As we talk about being in Christ, the only others that John offers are in the world. Paul would say, well, you could be in Christ or you could be in Adam. You could be in Christ or you could be in the flesh. To the Corinthian church, he says, you're either in Christ or you're still in your sins. But in Christ, this is where Christians abide. This is where our Christian action happens. And this is where we then follow the commandments. The new commandment to love each other as I have loved you is the new and abiding commandment of God's children. Jesus' command in his gospel, John chapter 13, love each other as I have loved you, It's not really a new command because Jesus has died and risen again. That's what makes it new. But it's the old abiding command to love your neighbor as yourself. Which is why John can play with the language there in verses 7 to 9. And say this is not really an old one. It's not really a new one. It's the one that we've always had. You love because of Christ's love for you. It's an abiding truth. Our love for God and neighbor is cruciform. That is, it looks like a cross. It's got a vertical dimension. God sends his love down. 
And we respond in love to him. And we respond in love to one another on the horizontal plane as well. John nails this love your neighbor thing. And the pun is intended. He nails it by making it look like a cross. So, what is love then? It's one of those dualisms. Darkness and light. Hate and love. Fill in this blank. Hate the sin, but love the... Sure, yeah. Except that's not how God talks in Psalm 5. He says, I hate sinners. Ah, that's tough. Somehow God is able to do that. To love the sinner and yet have a will for that sinner to be saved. (laughs) I'm not God. I don't know how that works. I find a lot of comfort in saying, I'm going to hate sin and love a sinner. But that means that I still, in my Christian life, have to figure out what love is and what love is not. Love is not toleration. Just saying that, well, I can excuse certain sins in myself or in my neighbor. And love is not something else. And this is important. Love is not an emotion. I got into big trouble with my girlfriend when I was an undergrad at University of Arizona for saying that. So what is love to you? We didn't get married. All right. But what she was going for in that conversation is, I think, what John is going for here. Love is an action. An action motivated by Christ's person and work, by what Jesus has done, who he is, and the blood that he's poured out for us. Actions need to be motivated by Christ's love for us. In chapter 2, John is talking about identity that translates into action. And actions don't define us, but they do reveal who we are. Our Christian actions do not define us, but they do reveal who we are. The most important thing to take away from that, I think, is where we are as we're living our Christian life. It doesn't stop on Sunday morning or after Monday chapel's done. It's a location that abides as we abide in Christ We live the Christian life, and it's revealed to all who we are, the light of the world. Why? Because we are in the light of the world. Because we are in Christ. In Christ. In Christ. The most important prepositional phrase in all of Scripture. Who are you? I am in Christ. Whose are you? I am in Christ. Why are you? I am in Christ. So what are you going to do the rest of the day? I am. In Christ. John is going to continue on in this same vein, but he's going to do it with poetry next time and hit everybody the old people, the young people, the in between people, because we are all in Christ. Will you pray with me? From the state of sin, Lord. Set me free and move me to a new state, a new life, a new place in which to abide. Your cross has established a border between death and life, Lord Jesus. Move me across that border to dwell in life, to establish my citizenship in you. And while in residence here in this world, grant me the grace to live in the shadow of your cross. Amen.